Well, good morning to you all. Happy Father's Day uh, to many of you. And uh, also, as any holiday, want to continue to extend our uh, condolences to those who uh, today is not a good day. And there are uh, many holidays that uh, bring great memories for folks and many holidays that do not. And so, uh, whatever your heart, uh, I know for me, uh, just kind of out of nowhere, uh, I woke up this morning with a really, uh, just a burden, uh, a really heartbreaking burden for so many uh, that this day is not a good day for them, bad memories, and uh, just really want to uh, reach out to you, and uh, as we're going to talk today, uh, grateful that God is our Father, and um, we're going to dive in a little bit uh, to that, so um, would you grab the hand of the person next to you? I'm going to call this message the heart of the Father. Uh, just real quickly, uh, some of you have been asking. I have written a, a new book or another book that hits the bookstores and online July, excuse me, August 20th. And we have got pre-release copies that will be here July 14th. So Sunday, July 14th, if you would like to get one of the pre-order copies, I uh, wrote a book called The Power of Consecration, A Prophetic Word to the Church. Uh, Lou Engel was gracious to write the foreword. Corey Russell wrote a special introduction. I think it's the best book that I've done yet, but uh, if that could be a blessing to you, Sunday, July 14th, uh, we'll have a limited number of copies in the lobby. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for Father's Day. God, I ask that you would uh, meet each of our hearts in the current state that they're in. And Lord, we ask for a spirit of wisdom and revelation to help us today. In your name I pray, amen. I was looking at statistics this week, just curious about Father's Day. And uh, according to LifeWay Research Group, uh, out of any holiday in the United States, Father's Day is the worst attended by fathers. Father's Day is the worst attended uh, Sunday out of any Sunday in the United States. Interestingly enough, uh, Mother's Day is the third highest attended Sunday right behind Christmas and Easter. So you kind of begin to see the contrast of great attendance uh, at Mother's Day services across the United States, uh, the worst attendance on Father's Day. Um, another recent survey uh, that I read found that if a child is the first person in their home to receive Christ, there is a three and a half percent probability that that household will come to the Lord. So a three and a half percent probability that if a child is the first to receive salvation in their home, the whole household will be saved. If a mother is the first to receive salvation, there is a 17 percent chance or probability that the household comes to the Lord. But if a father is a first to receive salvation, there is a 93% probability that the household will come to the Lord. So we're here on Father's Day, and 
for what it's worth, we, we don't need to, in an attempt to honor fathers, dishonor mothers. So in an attempt to honor fathers, we don't have to discredit the roles of mothers. And it's the same way. See, a lot of women in the earth feel like they have been disparaged or they have been overlooked. So in an attempt to raise um, awareness for women's rights, we think we have to tear down men. And so I just want to encourage you, Mother's Day, Father's Day, uh, let's honor them both. And we don't have to get there by tearing down or going after the roles of men and women. They're equally important. However, statistically, I remember preaching Malachi 4, 5, and 6 in the last days. God says, um, excuse me, I'm getting ready to quote Joel 2. Uh, Malachi 4, 5, and 6 talks about in the last days the spirit and power of Elijah would come. And it says that it would turn the hearts of fathers to children and the hearts of children to fathers. And I was preaching that in te Texas and an enraged woman came up and said, why didn't you say mothers? And I said, sorry, that's not what it says. And again, it has nothing to do with not believing in women or mothers or their roles, but that's not what the Word says. It says that in the last days, one of the things that we're going to see is specifically fathers turning to the sons and daughters and the sons and daughters turning to fathers. So um, I just want to be clear on that issue because I am going to talk about fathers. I am going to talk about the fatherhood of God but I don't want it to be taken in any way as mothers are not important. Well, I was in uh, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee this past week preaching at a prophetic cultivation conference, and I happened to pick up the front page of the newspaper, and it was a gut-wrenching story of a father 50 years ago who took his little boy uh, to a state park there in Tennessee, and unfortunately his son was lost. And so the, the, the paper was basically commemorating Father's Day weekend coming up 50 years ago. The greatest search in the state's history became looking for that little boy, and unfortunately the little boy was never found and that father every father's day goes to that same place where he lost his little boy and in his words wishes that the little boy would come home and obviously you know nice story on the front page of a paper i'm just like in tears you know reading reading this story and i felt like the spirit of god spoke to me in that moment and said jeremiah the same way that that father probably daily thinks about it and yearly visits that location in that same way i as a father i want to be known i want to be experienced that same longing that that father had in his heart I believe God the Father 
is longing to be known. So if you have in your Bibles, would you turn to John chapter 17? John chapter 17. We're going to talk about fathering. We're going to make some practical applications. But if the media team, if you could put that first uh, slide on the, uh, on the screen there. I realize when we talk about um, fathers, we talk about um, sons and daughters. I've noticed over the last nine years of being here at the church, it is my belief by experience that a lot of dads just don't know what their kids are looking for. Dads just don't know what their kids want. And in the same way, I believe a lot of kids don't really know what they want from their dad. And so I just came up with a list of 25 things real quickly. Even if you're a dad here, a future dad, you're a son or daughter, you can't really articulate what it is that you want dad to be. Uh, it's certainly not exhaustive. Let's just go through those quickly. 25 things kids want from dad. They want them to be there. They wa I want them to care about me. I want them to provide for me. I want them to notice me. I want them to affirm me. I want them to be proud of me. I want them to protect me. I want them to be involved. I want them to hold or hug me. I'm going to switch it. I need them to talk to me. I need them to tell me their story. I need them to teach me. I need them to discipline me. I need them to say, I love you. I need them to show me love. I need them to forgive me. I need them to make me feel special. I need them to direct me, delight in me, laugh with me, be approachable. I need them to know me. I need them to let me know them. I need them to keep their word. I need them to make me feel secure. Fathers. Sons and daughters, that's really what you long for from a dad. Whether it's in the natural or in the spiritual, a lot of that is what your heart really cries out for. All right, John chapter 17, if you're there, say hallelujah. Let's begin reading in verse 11. We're going to dive a little bit into the scriptures here on Father's Day. Jesus Christ had a primary mission to reveal his father to those around him. And let's look a little bit more into this. John 17, 11, And I am no more the words of Jesus in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep them in thy name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I was keeping them in thy name, which you have given me. And I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be revealed. 
Jesus in John 17, 11, and 12, he is talking to the Father, and he's telling the Father, I have kept the disciples in thy name. Or in other words, Jesus Christ was entrusted. In John 17, there are seven different entrustments that God the Father gave to the Son while he was on the, on the earth. He gave them the work. He gave him the eternal life. He gave him his words. He gave him his name, the name of God. And so before Jesus goes to the cross, he's saying to the Father, I have kept those that you have given me underneath your name. So the name of God has significance. If it didn't, Jesus would not say multiple times in John 17, I've kept them in thy name. Now flip real quickly to Exodus 3 because there's a similar encounter that Moses had with the Lord. We're talking about the name of God. Exodus chapter 3. We read a New Testament example. Let's read an Old Testament one. Exodus 3.10. Therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh. God is talking to Moses. So that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, certainly I will be with you and this shall be the sign to you that is, it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they will say to me, What is his name? The very first question that Moses has for God is, What is your name? Jesus in John 17 is telling God, I have kept the disciples in your name. What shall I say to them, said Moses. And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me. Scholars have translated the Hebrew language to the Greek. It's called the Septuagint. And in the Septuagint, God's answer to Moses, I am that I am, this is how they translate it. God says to Moses, I am the being. I am the one in whom all life is derived. Are you tracking with me? So it's out of God saying to Moses, 
I am that I am. I am the being. I am the originator. I am the author of life that we see in the Old Testament ten different names that God gives to himself via the people. So if you're familiar with some of the names of God, for example, he is Jehovah Jireh. It's coming from I am Jehovah Jireh. In other words, I am a provider. I want you to track with me. I know it's Father's Day. Don't, don't glaze on me yet. Too many donuts this morning. Jehovah Nisi. I am your banner. I am your protector. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord our peace. I am your peace. Jehovah Sabaoth. Jehovah Makedeshem. Jehovah Ra. Jehovah Tiskanu. Jehovah El Gamola, Jehovah Nake, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord our peace, the Lord our hopes, the Lord our sanctifier, the Lord my shepherd, the Lord our righteousness, the God of recompense, the Lord that smites, the Lord that is present. So God appears to Moses in Exodus 3 and says, I am that I am. I am the being. And then there are ten names of God based off of I am a provider. I am a present help. I am. And do you know that the Father does all ten of those things so well? I'm telling you, from the Old Testament, the great I am. Listen to what Jesus says in John 17. Holy Father. In other words, he's connecting that God is holy from the Old Testament. I am. And then Jesus came in the New Testament to give us a revelation of Father God. He's just not holy. He's just not father. He is a holy father. And when God began to reveal himself to Moses, and then Jesus comes in John 17 and says, Father, I kept them in thy name. Holy Father. Well, what name or names did he keep them under? He kept them under those ten names, but those ten names ultimately represent his great heart as our Father. Now, I know many of us are lacking a Hebraic understanding of what I'm even talking about. To give you an example, we were in Israel last month and I was talking to a tour guide, a woman that was even a messianic Jew believing that Jesus is Messiah. I said to her, Jehovah Jireh, and she said, <gasps> I said, 
what's wrong with Jehovah Jireh? She said, you can't talk about God like that. I said, so all the names of God, and I, you know, literally it was like I was cussing. I went through all ten, and she's just stumbling back. She said, Jeremiah, you, you, you don't understand the disconnect and the distance in the Jewish mind from humanity to God. So I said, wait a minute. If you're saying God is so holy that we can't even talk about his ten names, do you know that God is your father? She went, <gasps> So we read in the book of John that the term Father is used more than 120 times. And from the time Jesus is 12 years old, he begins a revolution in his culture that because we don't have the Hebraic understanding, we're ignorant of, but I'm teaching it, so we're going to get it. But even from 12 years old, when his parents lose him, listen to what he says. I am about my father's business. In their understanding, what he is saying is blasphemous. He is associating Yahweh, the God of the universe. I'm going to tell you, they not only wanted to crucify Jesus because he claimed to be God's son, they wanted to crucify Jesus because he claimed that God was his father. Let me read you a little commentary from Kittles. The thought of God's fatherhood does not penetrate to the private and personal religious thought of ancient Israel. God's fatherhood in the Old Testament, there are only seven references, and all seven references are restricted to God's fatherhood to the nation. So oftentimes God would say through the prophets to the nation, I was a father, I was a husband to Israel, but never did any man or any woman claim personal experiential reality of knowing this great God as a father. Philo, who is a Jewish historian, a philosopher, listen to what he says about Exodus 3, about God telling Moses, I am that I am. God did this to demonstrate to Israel that he is not the one to whom namelessness belongs. But as I am, he alone has true being and existence. Can I tell you this morning that from the beginning of time, 
God the Father has wanted to be known? When people say God, I love to ask them, what are you even talking about? Who is God? What is He like? Do you know that He has character? He has nature? He has attributes? Before the foundation of the world, I personally believe that the Godhead decided that each one of them would have an inheritance in the earth. One more time. Before the world began, I believe that the Godhead decided, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that they would have an inheritance in the earth. The Father decided that He was going to have a family of sons and daughters. Jesus, the bridegroom, decided that He was going to have a bride in the earth. The Holy Spirit decided that He was going to have a people as His dwelling place, the temple of the Holy Spirit. I know many of you probably never even heard this before. When you think of God, who is God? When you pray, who are you talking to? Are you talking to the Father? Are you talking to Jesus? Or are you talking to the Holy Spirit? If you don't know their roles, you don't know who you're talking to. Let me give you an example. Ephesians 1.17 I pray that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ would give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of the Holy Spirit, in the knowledge of Jesus. No, in the knowledge of Him, who's Him, the Father. Let me introduce to you eternal life. Are you ready? John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life, that you may know Him. Who's Him? Because the next part says, And Jesus Christ, whom He sent. So eternal life is that you may know the Father and get a revelation that He's invited us as His sons and daughters, but that we would also get a revelation of Christ. So as you're hearing preaching and teaching and movements and ministries in the body of Christ, I'm trying to help you understand, many people have a different revelation of God. You're going you're gonna to see some messengers, they're in the fatherhood of God lane. Their teaching, their ministry is family, sons and daughters. You're going to see the bridegroom and the bride reality. Jesus Christ as the coming king and judge of the earth. You're also going to see the Holy Spirit, the dwelling place, the temple of God. In fact, variations of these revelations have been sweeping the body of Christ for hundreds of years. How are we doing? So I'm a bride? 
but I'm a son or daughter, but I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, don't get confused and don't pick one or the other. But each of those realities is connected to a different member of the Godhead. So as Jesus Christ comes to the earth and he's saying to the Father, I have kept them in thy name. The name that God kept, excuse me, the name that Jesus kept the disciples under is the name of the Father. The Father encompasses all the ten names of God as revealed in the Old Testament. All ten names of God, I am, are attributes of what a father is called to do. One more time. It was absolutely scandalous and blasphemous that Jesus Christ walked the earth and claimed that God was his father. Listen to the Sermon on the Mount. Listen to the prayer of Jesus because he pivots. He not only starts talking about God as my father, he starts saying, our father. All right, I'm just going to go there for a second. What if the preaching of the gospel, Isaac, our fellow event, what if the preaching of the gospel was more than come to Jesus and get saved? What if there's more beyond the cross? What if it's more than get saved and that's it? What if we began to teach eternal life is this, that they may know God the Father and be taught the family, the sons and daughters, the identity revelation. I'm telling you, it would, it would literally change the entire globe. But we just want to get people saved, try to get them to come to church and hope they hold on till they get to heaven. Eternal life, a revelation of the Father, our identity in the belovedness. If something is stirring your heart, I recommend an author named Jack Frost. I recommend an author named Brennan Manning. But here's what I'm saying. There are only some that have risen in the earth with this revelation of God as Father. A lot of the mainstream, huge ministries that you see on television, their, their revelation is you and I as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the movement and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit draws large crowds and makes a lot of money. Movement of the Holy Spirit. Good morning, Holy Spirit. The power of God. That's all the Holy Spirit and you and I as the temple. But you're going to see, I believe, as we get closer to the return of the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15.10 says that Jesus Christ is going to hand the keys of the kingdom back to the Father. So if the bridegroom is coming for the bride, there is a revelation of the bride and the bridegroom that's going to change the worship that we hear. We haven't even yet heard songs that are wooing the bridegroom to come. 
A lot of the songs you're hearing is sons and daughters, and there's a longing in this generation to know God as Father, to find our identity. But we're getting ready to step into a bridal paradigm in the earth that will be marked by a love sickness, by a fierceness, by a warrior bride. So I'm just throwing a lot of this out there because, again, I, I know me personally, totally clueless, couldn't understand, was constantly confused until the Lord began to enlighten the eyes of my heart to understand even this glorious mission that Jesus Christ was on to reveal God as Father. How many of you have heard of Derek Prince? Derek Prince, one of the most famous Bible teachers, okay, he taught the Word for more than 60 years I want to let his words speak for themselves just so that you understand. You can teach Christianity for your entire life and never teach about the fatherhood of God. Here's his words. I quote, I taught the Bible for 63 years and I never taught on the fatherhood of God one time. Oh my God, what have I done? And here was his conclusion. I quote, Father is the name, the best name, the true and real name, which best fits his nature. Father is the name, the best name, the true and real name which best fits his nature. Okay, let's stay in this passage. Are you tracking with me? Just catch, try to catch some of this. Let's go to verse 6. We're still in John 17. I'll start landing the plane. John 17, because he keeps saying this again. Thy name, your name, your name. What? Verse 6. I manifested your name to the men who you gave me out of this world. They were yours and you gave them to me and I have kept your word. I was studying the Greek trying to get an understanding even in the amplified version of the Bible. Jesus saying to the Father, I have manifested your name to those who you've given me. Here's what the word manifest means. To make manifest, visible, known, plain, clear, to show. Here's the amplified. I have manifested your name. I have revealed your very self, your real self to the people whom you have given me out of this world. Verse 26. Here he goes again. And I have made your name. I'm telling you, there's something powerful. There's a revelation hidden behind the name of the Father. The name that Jesus Christ not only manifested in the earth, but he made it known to them and will make it known. That the love that you have for me may be in me and it may be in them and I in them. I have made your name known. The Amplified says, 
I have made your name known to them and revealed your character and your very self, and I will continue to make you known. I've been traveling the charismatic circle for years now. Going to revival services, been being, you know, it's all about the altar calls. It's getting slain in the spirit. It's, you know, Jesus is Lord. Amen. And I'm telling you, this revelation of God as Father, our beloved identity in Him, I believe has the power to deliver this generation from all the need to be seen and heard, all the fighting for the most followers on Facebook, all the feelings of my worth, my value, my significance, all of that would be wiped away if we got a revelation of God as Father and our invitation into His family through the beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. What is God the Father like? It is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. He kept the name of the Father. He kept the disciples in that revelation of the Father God. He made that name manifest. Again, they not only killed him, crucified him, beat him, and spit on him, not only because he claimed that he was God's son, but he unashamedly told them, God is not only my father, but he is our father. I want to give you three points here, and then we'll close. Why is the Father not better known in the church? Why is, and again, I know we sing about Him as Father. I know you read about Him as Father. But I'm telling you, if you've experienced Him as Father in a deep and an intimate way, so many of us would be farther along in our walk with the Lord if we begin to experience Him. Number one, the law of possession. One cannot give away what they do not possess. So if I don't have a revelation of God as my Father, how can I teach anyone truly about God the Father? I'm just going to be honest with you. I believe in many churches what's happening is orphans are running orphanages called churches. When we have a revelation of the Father, the competition and the performance stops. The striving, the jealousy, the insecurity, the pride. When the father is present in the home, the kids can't treat each other the same way they did before he walked in. 
So our worth, our value, and our significance has nothing to do with ministry, has nothing to do with where you work, has nothing to do with how much money is in your bank account. Forget all those vain pursuits. My worth, my value, my significance is found in a revelation of God my Father. And I've been introduced to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have become a beautiful dwelling place for the person of the Holy Spirit. That's your best life now. I'm Apostle Doodad. I've saved three million people. Yeah, but do you know God is your father? Because if you did, all of that wouldn't matter. What are you after this morning? What's the itch that you have to scratch? What, what, what is the drive for the worth, the value, the significance? What, what are we striving after? I'm telling you, the church is trying to strive after something that was already given to them via the cross. Oh, you want a spiritual father? Now we have these rent-a-daddy networks in the body of Christ where apparently you have to pay people money to call them your apostle or your spiritual father. Listen, all true spiritual fathers, their number one role and responsibility is to introduce you to God the Father. No, you didn't hear me. I need mentoring, I need discipleship, I, I need fathering. Yes, you're looking for individuals who will mirror to you what a life of dependency upon God and not them looks like. We're raising up a mature company of sons and daughters who don't come to church every Sunday looking for a word because they already got one in the secret place during the week. I'm telling you, when the Father is present, when mature sons and daughters arise, it will dethrone the American church built on stages and platforms. Because the highest pursuit, the highest goal is, I'm a son, you're a daughter, we're gifted, we're graced, let's learn how to become a family. The law of possession. Lord, I'm asking today that you give us a revelation of the Father. That this same, it's the same revolution Jesus came to bring to the earth. The very reason why he killed them, excuse me, the very reason why they killed him is I believe still the same reason why people who carry a revelation of the fatherhood of God will be despised and hated by a religious system built on performance and striving. Orphans achieve, sons inherit. I'm telling you, this, this, 
you know, we're, I feel like at heart of the Father, we're, we're trying to lift off religious burdens from people. Like, just take, take a deep breath. Because if you don't know you're a son or daughter, all the calls to fast and pray, and like, your response is going to be, nothing's ever going to be good enough. What else? No, all of those spiritual disciplines are supposed to be born out of a revelation that the Father loves you and has a plan for your life, and there's more. All right, should we go back to the screen? What, what do kids want? Where do you think all those 25 things came from? The heart of God. He put those longings in your and I's heart. And ultimately, we're on a journey to get all of that from Him. But naturally, we, we want to see someone do it. Right? If you're just a leader, you tell people what to do. If you're a father, you show people what to do. You can tell your kid to clean up his room or you can clean up his room with him and show him how to do it. One's a father, one's just a leader. All right, number two, the first one, the law of possession. When we get a revelation of the father, we'll begin to be able to reproduce. Number two, a failure to understand Jesus' true mission. I'm telling you, one of his, I'm not going to say the primary, but one of the primary missions that Jesus had to the earth was to introduce a religious system built on outward appearance and performance. He came to introduce them to a kingdom reality called family where our good works aren't what it's all about. It's a renewed inward new heart. It's about an inward character transformation that gives birth to father pleasers. Number three, and I'll close. Unresolved father wounds. I was preaching in a foreign country several years ago and I was talking about God as Father. I am who I am today because of my own earthly father. I had an uncle who began teaching on the fatherhood of God since I can remember, maybe eight years old. The fatherhood of God, our identity as sons and daughters. I don't need to perform. I can inherit because the Father loves me. And I was preaching this message and this woman came running up to me, 82 years old. And she said, Jeremiah, I'm good with Jesus. I'm good with the Holy Spirit. But I don't want anything to do with God the Father. I'm good with Jesus. I love him. He's died on the cross. I love the precious Holy Spirit. But when you start talking to me about God as Father, something starts trembling within me. Because I've gone down this road a lot of times. I said, well, tell me about your earthly dad. 
God's original intention was to place you and I in a family and that our earthly fathers could reflect a revelation, His own character and nature. But because of the fall, fathers at best are simply broken men. I've already started telling my seven-year-old, Bella, Dad is going to do the very best that I possibly can, but I'm going to fail you. I'm probably going to break your heart, and I want you to know, even from an early age, that you can always call on God as your Father. Because I believe if you're even here this morning and you've been wounded by an earthly dad, one of the promises that God even gave me is that He would heal me of all my father wounds before He began to reveal Himself as my father. I'm going to tell you in my life, I've had eight to ten encounters with specifically God the Father where I have had to pull over driving. I have literally blown out blood vessels in my eyes from getting encountered by the love of the Father specifically for my life. Walking me through some of the trauma, some of the issues. And again, know thyself. Because for some of us, denial is already setting in. That self-protection where it wasn't that bad and oh, they didn't need. And we all have this innate sense to protect them. When for many of you, your journey to deliverance is going to come when you stop trying to protect your abusers. One of the greatest things that happened to me is I got married. And my wife said, hello, that's dysfunctional. You know, because when you're in it, and it's just normal, sometimes dysfunction becomes so functional that you can't see that it's dysfunction. I feel by the Spirit of God, some of you in this room, you are fighting the counsel of your spouse who is trying to show you just how dysfunctional your family, and, and I get it, what's going to, but they're my dad, but they're my mom. Yeah, but they're, they're human beings that will fail you and others. There's no not one that's perfect. What I'm saying is we can all try to do the very best that we can, but only the Father will satisfy. Only the Father will meet the depths of the needs of our own hearts. But these unresolved father wounds, to whatever degree and in whatever ways our fathers failed to express God's heart, to that degree, in those ways, do we all bear father wounds. So, let's go to the screen here. Ten kinds of fathers. I believe you can find your earthly dad up on the screen. AWOL fathers. They were never there. Two, deceased fathers. They died, so you naturally struggle with abandonment. Three, unaffectionate 
fathers. Do you know that you can be in the room and still not be there? Unaffectionate, you're disconnected for. Emotionally detached fathers, unknowable. The iron wall is up 24-7. They never cry. They never show emotion. Five, uninvolved fathers. They don't want you to know them. Number six, emotionally abusive fathers. Unsafe. They insult. They assault your dignity. Seven, physically abusive fathers. They're enraged, they're unpredictable, they're unsafe. Sexually abusive fathers, they destroyed your innocence, they betrayed your trust, they have tortured your soul. Overly religious fathers, law-bound, performance-based, demanding, authoritative, strict. And then 10, relatively good fathers, but nonetheless still fallen, still injured, and still wounded. Seems kind of, how do you end this? Well, great job, brother. You just showed us how messed up dads are. (laughs) Happy Father's Day. (laughs) But I believe, I want you to just track with me, we have to get gripped as dads by our inability to really be who our kids need us to be without the help of God the Father. In, in a different way, you can't really experience the grace of God until you really understand your own sinfulness. The diamond shines brightest up against the black backdrop. So if we don't have a revelation of our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord, the message of the grace and mercy of God won't have the effect on us intended. Likewise, if we don't understand the brokenness, the inability of fathers to be who their kids need them to be without the help of God the Father, When Jesus Christ steps onto the scenes and introduces all of eternity, all generations to God as Father, it's just not as astounding. It's just not as shattering. There are some of you in this room, you're still angry at Dad. You are harboring unforgiveness. There there could be, some of you looked at that list of ten and said, Oh yeah, buddy, he was nine out of the ten. Pick one, not. Some of us haven't even come to grips with this understanding that beyond what we can do, ultimately God is our Father. And to me, on this Father's Day, that's the best news in the whole world. 
What can we do? For some of you, it's time to write a letter. Can I give you permission to write a letter to your dad and tell him how it really felt growing up in his home? Fathers, can I encourage you to allow and to even invite your kids to let you know whether you did a good job or a bad job and not say a word back? For your own fathers, your own marriage, your, your, your own health of your relationship with your kids, your own ability to find healing will be their healing. Because it was your own father's denial to find healing that hurt you. Why can't the cycle stop today? There are people in here, young couples, you are a man and you are absolutely terrified to have kids because you're afraid you're going to be a failure just like your own dad. Can I tell you that the cycle can stop today? I want to tell you there's dads in here who don't feel like a great dad at all. And I'm here to tell you that the power of Jesus Christ, a revelation of God the Father can heal all your wounds. And you can start a fresh start today. Because I believe that the spirit and the power of Elijah is coming. I, I believe that fathers are going to turn to sons and daughters and sons and daughters are going to turn to fathers. That's what I believe revival is. Until I still have breath in my lungs, I'm telling you, I believe that the revival that's coming to America is not extended services. It's going to disappoint a lot of charismatic and Pentecostals. The revival that's coming is called family. It's going to happen in your living room, not at church. It's going to happen around a dining room table. It's going to happen on the ball field. It, it, it's not going to be, well, I hate God because God took away my dad because he was at church all the time. Now we're talking revival. Healthy marriages, sons and daughters. I mean, you know, like they hit 18 and they can't wait to leave. Do you know what a statement of a lack of true fathering that is? Hit 18 and can't wait to leave. If you've created a culture of fathering, your kids don't want to leave at 18. They don't want to leave ever. Because home is a safe place. I mean, I get the natural release and having to let them go, but I'm telling you, we, we've created these cultures where, well, I got them for 18 years and I'll just do the best that I can and then they'll fly off when they're gone. A father is a father for all of eternity. A mother is a mother for all of eternity. They never stop caring. They never stop providing. They never stop praying. Will you bow your heads with me this morning?